You have arrived at your destination. Kentucky microphone test you. Uh-huh. Goodness. I hate Yakov Sneerov. He's the worst. <laughs> I saw uh, him live in when I was out in Missouri with my family one year. Did you? That's yep. awesome. Like I enjoyed did it. You, were you tricked? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I was like what 15 or something like that or whatever. He, he's a Branson regular, right? And he's still Yeah, he's got, his own, he's got his own theater. Yeah. The yeah. Redneck Riviera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the Springfield, place, uh, Brett Branson, yeah. The place where Vegas acts go to die. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like when you can't maintain your residence at the shithole. <laughs> We're going to send you and Louie Anderson out to Branson. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Uh, Sorry, anyway. Louie Anderson. I didn't mean it. <laughs> I hosted Family Feud. Remember when I had that animated show? Oh, God. Even as a kid, I hated that thing. Oh, God, me too. Oh, man. But guys, it's time for the Video Destruct podcast. Hell yeah. Where we talk about video games. Surprise! Video game accessories. Um, (laughs) We're on the topic of cartoons. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I should have saved that for when we talk about the Ouya or like one of like the peripherals from from like the Power Glove. We were doing a Power Glove episode. Just do power glove episode. Uh, I own a power glove. You do uh, really? And, yeah. So and it's it's complete, uh, ready to go, no waiting. So if anybody wants to come over oh. and play a little I, bullshit, do you I, have any compatible games? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, so I, I have a I have a power glove oven mitt. Oh, nice. <laughs> that counts. I think that counts. I, I, I have to have I have to have nerd geek stuff in my home. I just yeah. I'm not just going to go down to yeah. Bed, Bed, Bed Bath and Beyond and get random stuff. I'm like, I no, mean, every, I has to mean something. Everybody's got to go to the clearance rack at the GameStop once in a while. So right, yeah. that's true. That's true. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I got it at a how we was I got it some shop in the Mall of America when I went to SGDQ last year. Yeah. Uh, I, it was at some how some something similar to a hot topic that was centered yeah. around gaming and comic books. So. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Everyone. I mean, so just when this is all over, just just keep it in mind. If anybody yeah. wants to play Gyromite or Super Glove Ball, come <laughs> over. Right on. Wait, Gyromite's a isn't that a Rob game? Uh, yeah, but you can also there's Gyromite controls that you can do with that as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, because that was Super Glove Ball and what is it, Bad Street Brawler? Yeah, something like that. Uh, are the Power Glove specific games? But I'm pretty yeah. sure that Gyra might also use that, so you could, you know, be I, manipulating Rob in real time. Right. The contr- yeah, it, it was. Yeah. Fu- I assure you, uh, if that's accurate, it was shit. <laughs> Didn't control well. Which you mentioned is the Power can... Glove, and all I can think of is the movie The Wizard. Oh, yeah. It's every time. Yeah. It's right. so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> right. uh, you know what's so bad is uh, that actor. He turned out to be real bad. Uh, oh, what happened? Not, 
not great. Oh, he got convicted for some bad stuff. Oh, uh, that I'll let people look that up. I don't want to mention that on right. here. Uh, right. <laughs> well, oh, you know, if it's that bad that you don't want to mention it on yeah. here, oh, yeah, no. it's not great. So, it Chris Hansen would be super happy to meet him. We'll say oh. that. Oh, no. All right, hey, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Um, <laughs> so, I think this is the first time I've been on the cast two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. That's right. Oh, yeah. If I decide I to put this up in order. But. Oh! Oh! Okay. Well. Oh! It's shit. <laughs> no, these are numbered. You Bait have switch. to. <laughs> That's fair. I do number them, and if I if I'm to change the file numbers, I get confused very easily. So yes. This is one fifty one. That's how we accidentally right. repost the same podcast twice, which we've done before. Which we've done before. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oops. Which yeah, we've I've, done before. I usually lo- like just, you know I don't listen to my own podcast at great length because I'm a, a fucking sociopath or something mm-hmm. uh but like I, I occasionally just tune in just to make sure oh like it sounded good this week and you know but like so it happened like once or twice where like i'd listen to it and go like brandon i i think we fucking didn't we post this one already and he'd go listen to it and go shit <laughs> and by we he means me but <laughs> so you're being very kind uh well, yes um, it, it, hey uh, all our successes and failures win and lose together baby win and lose together let's do this oh so uh, we're talking about Splinter Cell today. Um, Hell yes, we are. Yeah. That that was added to the list last week, actually. Um, and uh, I, I'm only tertiarily familiar with this game. Um, I, I don't, I think I played it once, the first one, way back in the day, uh, when he had that cool run. Um, I, I remember that that's like the most thing that I remember about it was like the, the run that he had because he had that split st- jump. Yeah. He had that, mm-hmm. st- that stride to him. Like he didn't uh-huh. run like a video game character. He had like a, you know, he would like Bob back and forth with his run. I don't know. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know much about this. You guys are far more versed. I think in this one, this is one um, of my favorite video game series that there is. So there you go. So when we get into it, uh, our topic yep. of the day, I will let you guys uh, go ham on this one. I don't have a whole lot to to operate on this one, but uh, you know I'm here, so we'll we'll uh, yeah. we'll run that through. But Brandon, what you been playing? Uh, I have been playing uh, more Link Between or sorry, Link's Awakening, not Link Between Worlds. I wish I had Link Between Worlds. I would definitely. What dungeon you on? Uh, I am on the third dungeon. Uh, no, second second dungeon. Um, except. Hadn't picked it up in a while, so I beat the tail dungeon. So now I'm going to the top. Ta- yeah, the one that's in the Taltal Mountain, I think. I think okay. that's the second one. No, the Swamp. Swamp's the second one. Yep. I'm in the Swamp Dungeon. Yeah, I just got to the Swamp Dungeon today. So I'm beginning to the Swamp and playing that through. So. A question. So, like, back when we talked about this originally when it came out, mm-hmm. like, the, the weird kind of frame rate hitches that happen when you go to the Swamp and all the alpha effects are going and everything. Yeah. Does that bother you? It does a little bit. It, yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it's just, it's a blemish on what is an otherwise, like, kind of perfect experience. Yeah, it, it's very pretty. Uh, it's very nice, but you just, you expect something, like, that's, like, not that heavy, you know? It's not a super heavy game by any stretch. Would you uh, rather them had the overworld sections all run at 30 FPS and then the dungeons run at 60 so that it didn't feel quite so jarring when it would drop like that? Because it's, like, it's like perfect 60 FPS, then 30 for a while, and well, back up to 60, down to 30 for a while. And it's just because of the way that they have double buffer of Veef's 
uh, V-Sync turndown, whenever yeah. it drops any frames at all, it drops all the way to 30. Right. So like normally in a game, if you don't, if you don't have that kind of V-Sync on, you'll get tearing. So if you get below 60 FPS, the screen will tear in spots, which right. is not a very pretty thing to see. So, you, you know, sometimes you'll put beefs, uh, V-Sync on and you can have like there's double buffer, triple buffer, and they all have different like costs to them hardware wise. Mm-hmm. Well, Nintendo is a big fan of double buffer beefs, uh, V-Syncs because they typically their games don't ever drop frames at all. So they're usually not that worried about it. Right. Well, the problem is when you go from 60 to 30, whoo, that is a roller coaster, baby. <laughs> It's true. It's true. It, uh, it it is jarring at, at certain areas, but um, yeah, so far I, ha- I haven't let it like drop my experience at all. So no, uh, no, it's it's, been... it's it's purely just a huh, that looks weird kind of thing. Right. Uh, but it's definitely uh, every time it would do it, I would hear the uh, the menu music from uh, Marvel versus Capcom two. It's gonna take you on a ride. It's gonna take you on a ride. <laughs> it's gonna take you on a frame rate ride, baby. <laughs> Uh, Uh, yeah anything else you've been playing uh i pre-ordered shantae 5 i don't know when that's coming out yet though so i think there's a demo attached to that though so i might play the demo resident shantae expert yes resident shantae expert i gave you some shantae news today that it's not apparently very new news but i didn't know uh that it was a thing. Apparently, Shantae is a yeah. DLC playable character in uh, Blaster Master or uh, Blaster Master Zero. Yes, uh, for the Switch. Mm-hmm. So really? I told you, hey, here's an excuse for you to buy that game that I love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I'll definitely do that, honestly. Because uh, oh, anything... and apparently, Blaster Master is a playable character in uh, the most recent Shantae game, Half Genie Hero, for the Switch as well. It's kind of like yes. a cross, you know, promotion sort of thing. Right. So maybe I need to get Half Genie Hero on the Switch as well. Yes. Uh, Shantae will also be in Indivisible um, uh, eventually. I don't know when, but she's going to be a, a titular character, protagonist character you can uh, join along with in uh, in Indivisible. So when they start doing DLC for that, so... Uh, I'm pretty sure that's on Game Pass. I should probably play Indivisible, right? I'm I'm gonna get it on Switch now that it's available on Switch. I'm I might wait till I get the hard copy because I kind of want the hard copy. I'm a weirdo. Um, I like hard copies of games that I enjoy. Did <laughs> um, you pre-order the, the hard copy of that new uh, Shantae? Uh, I have special edition from Limited Run Games. I don't. I think it's going that. off soon. Okay. Uh, I sent it to you on Twitter. It is a pretty impressive collection. Nice. Uh, I might get that then. Uh, that is Shantae and the Seven Sirens, for anybody who doesn't know. Uh, but I will look that over and see if uh, they still have that up. But Yeah, Indivisible is on Xbox Game Pass and PC Game Pass. So nice. I think I'm going to play Indivisible. So There you go. Cool. Boom. Nice. Uh, I may do the same thing. I should have played it forever ago. I was just very adamant about playing that game on the switch because it feels like a game i would play on the go so i was just just adamant about waiting for it to be on the switch for some reason um and i probably should have just you know went ahead and bought it for steam or anything else because i've been waiting to play it for so long but uh, well the yeah. nice thing for me about like having game pass uh like and like i've actually played through several games on game pass and not bought them because you know it's 
you know, it's all in there for free. And then just, you know, oh, hey, this thing that I loved that was on Game Pass is cheap on uh, Switch right now. I'll just go ahead and buy it so they get some of my money kind of thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. Should be all it right. also leads to me buying a lot of games that I don't play. But you know what? Hey, somebody's getting my money for a thing I enjoyed, and that's cool by me. Agreed. Uh, and I started building uh, my world in Super Mario World <clears throat> Mario Maker Two. So, uh, really, yes, I started. I bought Mario Maker Two, and I started making my world. So I've been back uh, playing that again. So I'll be uh, fit yeah. as a fiddle, ready for whatever yeah. kind of horse shit you're going to pull. I'm I'm going to try. This is what I'm trying to do, and I'm I'm going to explain. I'm going to explain this as well as like I'm going to try and do as close to a legitimate uh mario game as i can make it without being a professional game designer you know what i mean okay so i'm gonna i don't want to do like you know like nonsensical you know crazy boss fight horse shit like i just want to make something that's like stable and looks like a mario game and plays like one so i i love levels uh that have occasional horse shit with them i don't like ones where it's just all horse shit but when you give me one thing where i'm like Uh, <laughs> right yeah i like that 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 mm. moment of fuck sure it, and i would say that regular mario games have those moments as well you know yes. like there's there's those dreaded moments in world eight and mario three that you're kind of like oh this level you know so uh, yeah. for me a lot of the times it was ice levels where it's uh mm. jump from uh pipe to icy ground to pipe to icy ground uh yeah. and there's precarious pits around oh i'm the worst mm. Yeah. I'm the wor- it's it's my it's my curse like a lot of people their curse is usually water levels i'm actually really good on average at water levels man right. fucking ice dude i'm an <laughs> idiot with ice uh, it's so slippery even in real life i i fall down all the time on it so <laughs> luckily i fall like a complete moron so like i never actually hurt myself i just look like i have destroyed every bone in my body <laughs> Uh, I'm good. I'm good. My wife has seen me fall a few times and she's like, oh my God. And I'm like, I'm fine. She's like, I'm fine. All of your possessions are everywhere. (laughs) Somehow you landed naked. I don't even know how you did that. (laughs) You yard yard sailed without even being on skis. Oh, buddy. Let me tell you. I full sell. (laughs) Full sell. Always sell. Sell big. Sell big or go home. But uh, that's what I've played. I've played a lot of Switch. Uh, what have you guys been playing? Gus, what have you played? Uh, it's been pretty much the same story as last week, more or less. Sure. Um, yeah, I've been, I have been. spent a lot of the day the other day watch, watching through uh, a Final Fantasy VII speedrun guide. And now going, well, I don't plan to run an eight-plus-hour game yet <laughs> but uh i've been watching uh someone uh, uh run the game you know here and there and i kind of would like to have an actual understanding of how what's what, what he's doing and how it works so i've been kind of watching through the guide it's pretty interesting uh the world record for any percent no slots is about seven hours and 11 minutes or something like that mm-hmm. um it's, it's kind of interesting watching through the the guide the guide itself is like nine and a half hours long but uh, when i got through like the first half of it and then like in a couple of days so otherwise nice. i don't want to sit literally the entire day watching the whole thing but uh yeah that's that's been pretty interesting to watch through and uh i've been uh got back into euro truck sim 2 the other day uh because uh 
ETS2 is has got a unique achievement that was not present in the American Truck Sim iteration of the series. Thank God. Uh, the, the achievement is called Pathfinder, and it requires you to have driven or covered every road, every every piece of road in the map. Hmm. Now, uh, okay, uh, the yeah, Forza Horizon games usually have that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it wants you to have, have covered 100% of the map. Well. What uh, it, it's not some folks think, well, it, it must be just the base map. That's must be all you need. No, no, no. You need to make that percentage hit 100%. And if you have DLC installed, guess what you have to do? You got to drive all the DLC map as well. And I have two expansions installed. I have Secret to go is to uninstall those. Uh, not once you've already touched those areas of the map, because now once you've because you can't uninstall it because now your save can't be loaded because it can't find the content it needs to load your map. So you're well, stuck that's horseshit. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so I've I've uh, now that they've they updated recently to one point three seven, and every time they update now, it's the, the original release of the game had uh, like a very basic map construction with like intersections and stuff. And it was uh, a lot of folks wanted desperately to be up, up, updated to look closely to like, you know, real intersection stuff and say Germany and the UK, UK is in desperate need of a map overhaul. But they've been, they hit Germany pretty hard. And anytime they change models on the map, it also resets that area for progress showing that you haven't driven over it yet. So when last up two updates gone over, my map coverage has gone down like 20%. Like oh, and I had to go drive all over it again. And the intersections aren't like drive, like so like when the, when they put the original interchanges in and the highway interchanges, you could just, they're all considered one piece. So you would drive into it and through it and the whole thing would, would illuminate. But when they redid the intersections, when they update them, they have each little, like, they have, they're like individual pieces now. So you have to drive over every piece of road now, which becomes a colossal pain. And I'm determined to finish this damn achievement up uh, before they push another update. And I am now, I have one more, one last country to drive through, and it's Norway. And uh, there's not, there's only five, like 5% of the map to go. And once, once that achievement pops, I don't care what they update. <laughs> so uh, I'm just determined to have that on my account. Nice. Because I'm I'm insane, I guess. Eh. Yeah, I get oh. like that about Forza as well. Uh, every time they add a new Cheap landmass, I'm like, well, I need to drive every single road that you have. So. Right. So, eh. Anything else? Uh, that's all I've played this past week is either... Some little bit of Euro Truck and watching through FF7. Oh, oh, yeah, and I think I talked about Dissidia last week. So, um, yep. Uh, did, did I did I mention Dissidia last? Yeah, I did. You did. Uh, I did. I uh, played a little bit more of that. Um, think I got one more story in that in me before I say, all right, I've had enough enough Kingdom Hearts esque stuff for a while <laughs> for my you, film. You should after that. You should go out and play MK11. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> and play a good fighting game. <laughs> well, no, I don't. I don't think Dissidia is by any means a good fighting game. It's just a different one. It, it's different, like, and and that's coming as somebody who occasionally likes an anime horseshit uh, fighting game, and that <laughs> is all the way an anime horseshit fighting game. Uh, yeah, yeah, very much. Uh, that's but yeah, all I got. 
I have spent the last week uh, playing some games and returned to a couple of things. After the podcast last week, you had mentioned Final Fantasy IX a few times, and that's on Game Pass. Uh, oh. So, uh, booted up Final Fantasy IX. Mm-hmm. Uh, played about... Uh, well, I, at first, I played about 30 seconds of it and found mm-hmm. out that I was having that same recurring nightmare that I was having with Sonic CD, where it ran... Uh, <laughs> Oh like no! About a thousand percent uh, percent speed. So I finally figured out. Okay, I'm going to figure out how to fix this, and I did, and it works across all games. So if you awesome. have an NVIDIA GPU and yep. your games are running too fast, um, you actually go into the NVIDIA control panel, and you can limit a specific application to a refresh rate. Hmm. So uh, mine because right now, just what you're talking about here, Final Fantasy Nine was running at 3,800 frames per second. What? And that, the game's animation, I have a 2080 Ti. So uh, <laughs> the, the the game's animation only refreshes at 30 FPS. Right. So I would click forward on the stick, and I was on the other side of the screen before I could see anything. Wow. So it was insane. Um, so once I actually limited the specific application to a refresh rate, I had no more problems. Uh, apparently the same thing exists for Radeon GPUs. Uh, it's, they call it like a legacy feature. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to do. Um, so yeah, I, I played about six hours of Final Fantasy nine. Um, oh, six that hours, game huh? still rules. That yeah. HD remaster is pretty good. Um, nice. Especially like, you know, I'm, I'm running it in the most inconvenient of possible ways. I'm running it at 4K. Uh, you know, it's... That art is blown the fuck out. But mm-hmm. the, the redesigned characters, they didn't really redesign them. They kind of just cleaned them up. It looks pretty decent. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a welcome return. You know, I got through all the... Uh, initial, like, you know, where you're on the airship, you're doing the play and all that stuff, and you fly away and you crash. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the opening, like, I would say the opening act and a half um, of Final Fantasy IX is what I played. And, yeah, that's, that game still fucking rules. That HD remaster is as good as you could get without just fucking wholesale remaking that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Now, this so, is the, you, you played, played this on Game Pass, you said, right? Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, best five bucks a month I I pay. Nice. Wow. Uh, yeah. And your your first month is a penny. So if you've never done Game Pass before, it's a penny. I so. I'm a bit shocked at that library. Honestly, whenever you tell me something, it's like really Game good. Pass, I'm like, that's on there too. I'm like, geez. Yeah. yeah. Like the Master Chief collections on here. Uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. The uh, the Surge Two. Gears Tactics. Final Fantasy Nine. Uh, the Outer Worlds, I mean, like, you know, wow, you, that's, that's you name it, a whole bunch of recent shit is all on here. Yeah. Uh, By but, contrast, uh, uh, I mentioned before we we started the cast tonight, um, I was I was, just re- I was uh, reading about, you know, PlayStation Now because I don't have a PS4 and I didn't realize that was also available for use on just PC as long as you have a PlayStation. You know, it's actually a- available account. for use on a Sony TV. Yeah, you don't even need a computer. It'll just you can tether a controller to your TV and it'll work. Yeah. But uh, I I went and looked up you know uh, the the how it works and what the specs you need for it. It's pretty you no know, low spec. I mean I don't need much, but because uh, to, to to stream a game from the library. But and I looked at the library and it's not very good. 
No. I was not impressed by And you're limited to a max res of 720p. And that's like a quarter of my main monitor. Because yeah. I run a 1440p monitor. And, I, uh, and that like, means yeah, you can the, play four games at the same time, though, right? It's true. <laughs> One in each corner. There you go. It's just math. Yeah, right. That's how that works. It, 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 uh, it's, you know, it's like Todd Howard. It just works. Right. It just, works. It just does. It just does. You know, the, uh, you know what the massive missed opportunity with that is? Is that uh, right before the PlayStation 4 launched, um, Sony spent about $800 million on a company called Gaikai. And I remember the that. goal going into this generation, and that's what PlayStation Now is, is the Gaikai technology. Um, the goal was, do you remember at the start of this generation, they always talked, uh, talked about instant start games. Mm, vaguely. The, the idea know. being that you put the disc in and then it'll just start, it'll play off the disc for a little while while it installs. And then after it completely installs, you're only running off the hard drive and the load times will be less. Uh, that was okay, what they like- sold us on. What's right, that? that's kind of it's kind of like what the what the Xbox One started off as. No, you would it would install for a little bit and then it says, "Hey, this is ready to play," while it still installs rest in the background. Yeah, and kinda then like none that. of that actually worked, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the goal, uh, you know, on the Sony side originally was that uh, that Gaikai technology, you know, the big rumors coming out of them uh, was that your Play Now would be PlayStation Now. So when you put a disc in as it was installing or downloading, you would stream the game as you were downloading it. So, you know, you would actually be able to go ahead and start playing, you know, just absolutely instantly. And then eventually you'd have the completely installed version, which would look better and, you know, all that other stuff. But you'd at least be able to do something. Um, And that didn't really come to fruition. They had also talked about using that for demos. Mm-hmm. So instead of chewing up all that bandwidth to download a, you know, 20 gigabyte demo, it's like, go ahead and instant on it. Just go ahead and play it. Uh, yeah. But, you know, then, you know, just like with their PlayStation TV, which was their cable television service, which was fucking awesome that they have now discontinued. Uh you know, Sony had dollars in their eyes. They're like, we just spent $800 million on this. We're going to make people pay to use this service instead of trying to bolster their other service offerings. And PlayStation Now is this weird desert that nobody visits and it sucks. Because um, right. I think the whole 720p thing is fine for what it is. Because it's it could, that can be improved upon. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as far as like latency and stuff like that goes, I actually felt like the latency out of something like PlayStation Now was better than what you get out of something like Stadia. I think Stadia looks better, but I thought PlayStation Now ran better. Uh, But the problem was Sony only wanted to put legacy games on that service. So it's like, you know, it's like, oh, Bloodborne's on here. It's like, yeah, but I can also regularly buy buy Bloodborne on sale for like five fucking dollars. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like. Why do yeah. I care about your $15 a month service? <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know Bloodborne was on there. And that's about the only one that looked halfway interesting. I'm like, I'm not going to pay a monthly sub to play that. I will game. say if it's your only way to play Bloodborne, buy PlayStation now for a month, just fucking play it. Right. <laughs> uh, just because that game's goddamn incredible. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like, so newsflash, it's not the only way to play it. So uh, it is. So there you go. Is it the only way to play? Um, you if you don't own a PS4. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess so. You're right. Yeah, yeah it is not on 
It is not available. It's not on anything else. Yep, that's it. And that's a crime. So the other thing I played uh, this week was Thumper. Uh, oh, that's that. Oh, it's that nice. horror slash rhythm game, isn't it? I wouldn't say horror, but yeah, I mean, there's elements yeah, in there, I guess. It. Yeah. it was pretty uh, scary when I played it. <laughs> well, you also played it in VR. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, oh. yeah, I, I own it in VR, but my VR helmet is at the new house and I don't have it here right now. So I, I played regular old Thumper uh, here just because I was really wanting a, a good ass like frequency slash amplitude style rhythm game. And uh, that definitely scratched the itch. I, I kind of go back and play Thumper like once a year all the way through just to go like, man, they need to make another Thumper. Uh, but uh, yeah, the other thing that I played is a remaster. Nice. Oh. Yeah, I bought the Saints Row the Third remaster on the Epic Games Store. Ah, Okay. <laughs> Uh, I had to. Wow. I'm legally obligated. Obligated. That is one of the best remasters uh, of the generation. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's absolutely... It, it's like top to bottom. Character models, uh, uh, texture quality, visual effects, God rays, water effects, vehicle models, uh, building models uh you know just everything like everything's improved uh it's the best version of that game cool um you know like and i i i catch flack every time i mention that like i i i don't give a shit about giving money to the epic game store they're they're no more or less evil than anyone else right you know just guess what uh, multi-billion dollar entities don't give a fuck about you and if they can they will sell your personal information you signed on for this yeah. <laughs> you know i feel the same way about that kind of stuff as i felt about a connect camera and they're like man like they can they can turn it on whatever they want and look at you and i'm like what you just what are you gonna see me being fat in my living room who gives a shit what are you, what are you doing in your living room <laughs> well, like, what's the blackmail property of your living room life exactly? Yeah, well, and it's fair. like the, the Epic Game Store thing. Is, they're going to sell your browsing data. I'm like, okay, what the fuck are you doing with your computer? Yeah. Like, dude. <laughs> like, I mean, because let's, let's be honest. You've like, already what given is, it to Google. That, what, yeah, what is the inconvenience? Like, you'll get an ad about that, you know, uh, sneaker you were looking at earlier like, guess what I, i'm at least interested in the sneaker right i'm at least interested right yeah so i'm helping them you know give me ads that i'm not disgusted by because <laughs> i'll have you know i don't get any political ads because i'm disgusted by all of them <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah like you know my, so i don't know like the epic game store it's lacking in features uh but yep, you know heavily. so the, the only place that you can get Saints Row the Third Remastered is there. Like the only, I think the only place you can get Maneater is there. And that's the next game I'll play yeah. after I finish the Saints Row Remaster. Uh, Maneater is the game. It's the RPG where you're a fucking shark. Yep. I've mm. seen it. And that looks cool. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Saints Row Remaster. It's really, really good. Uh, if, uh, if somebody in our year of the Lord 2020 was saying like, man, you know what I really want to just unwind and smile and laugh about dumb horse shit? Uh, you can't really go wrong with Saints Row the Third. 
Yes. You know, they that scene where you're parachuting onto that building and they play Kanye West Power is yep. still one of the best moments in video game history. Fuck the haters. As they say, no one man should have all that power. So Damn right. Uh, oh. yeah. Hey! Hey! <laughs> oh. Uh, it's a good song, you know. Hate on Kanye all you want. It's a good song. Um, yeah, like I feel that about yeah. a lot of his catalog. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can think he's yeah. a scumbag, but it's real catchy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a catchy song. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, uh, and if if you want to know, you know, if you want to hear us talk more about Saints Row, uh, go back two episodes, one or one, no, one episode ago, no, two episodes ago, one forty nine. Because I was listening. And, to uh, <laughs> yeah, we say yeah, we talk about we talk about uh, Saints Row and, and on length. Uh, so there we go. Um, yeah cool awesome so that's what you guys have played that's what we've all played which i think is going to lead us into news our topic of or, the day no. but before that we're going to go to this it's actually uh, going to lead us into <laughs> right uh we're going to go into an ad break right now hey listeners this is joe and will from common creatives we're a new podcast on the dnn that explores the place of creativity in the lives of artists musicians comedians filmmakers and creators of all kinds this show lets us indulge our curiosity about why and how people satisfy their urges to make and create new things so check out common creatives on itunes stitcher and at destinationcomics.com back from that ad break oh, uh, guys wow. yeah what a what a long time that ad was uh, <laughs> but we are back and we're talking about splinter cell um at the very least Haas and gus are talking about splinter cell i will interject oh, where i can oh yeah <laughs> i will interject where i can but uh yeah so splinter cell is a game about a guy named sam fisher Who's got green eyes and a bad attitude? I assume. No. Um. Hashtag explain a game poorly. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> explain game poorly. Really? Uh, Sam. Fu- uh, yeah. uh, Michael Ironside has green eyes and kills people, and we're dead. Yeah. You nailed so, it. Yeah. There we go. Ooh, pretty close. Uh, yeah. The green-eyed monster, Sam Fisher. Yeah. Um, I am a huge fan of stealth action. I have been ever since the Metal Gear days. And uh, when I first played the original Splinter Cell, I played it on the PlayStation 2 originally, which was the actually the inferior version because of the hardware limitations of that console versus the Xbox. Because um, it had, they actually had a couple of missing levels. Or no, it didn't. It had an extra level in the PlayStation version, I do believe. But yeah, because it came of, later. They just put a level in there. Yeah, they just put some extra stuff in it. But the level design in some of the missions had to be dumbed down stripped down of like detail and less enemies. And, and less yeah less enemies uh because you just couldn't do it and then uh but uh and then when i think when pandora tomorrow came around i actually was playing it on the xbox at that point hmm. do you guys want a little history on yeah please let's go the for splinter it cell origins shall no, we that's not a game name uh, no, 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 yeah <laughs> but no, the like, origins like assassin's creed of Splinter Cells. So, uh, yeah, prior to uh, uh, Splinter Cells launch on the Xbox and PC uh, in 2002, um, a lot of Ubisoft's development for their games like Rainbow Six and Ghost Recon and those types of games 
uh, a lot of that development was actually done at in their Milan studio. Uh, a lot of that was done in France. Some of that was done in Shanghai. Uh, but they brought on this studio that had done some like Windows port work. They had, but they had shops. Uh, so when they put this Montreal studio together, it was they got them going with doing some ports. Um, they did some licensed stuff like a Tarzan game, Donald Duck game, you know, just the, the usual kind of schlock that you need to shift some units to get people comfortable with platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when it came to uh, this was all kind of just a function of their studio. There was a group of people getting comfortable with the platform. And then there was another group within that studio that was getting used to a technology, uh, which was Unreal Engine 2, um, which was... In 2002, that was really the rollout of that technology for consoles. And what they were actually building was in concert with the guys at Epic who make Unreal Engine. And they effectively tore that engine apart and took out a lot of its ability to render vast landscapes mm-hmm. and built in an entire a real-time lighting engine that didn't use baked lighting engine technology. Uh, Mm. So everything was in real time. So the, the idea of, you know, the little green light that's on, you know, the back of Sam uh, that tells you when you're in the light or not. If you look back to that first game, that is much less pronounced Mm -hmm. because that it was all about, no, you'll know when you're in the light, you'll feel it. Yeah. Um, and yep. so that game was all built around this cutting edge technology and a completely different way to do it. Kind of, they tore that thing apart and rebuilt it in their own image, much in the same way that Ed Boon and the the Mortal Kombat guys tore apart Unre- uh, Unreal Engine 3, which wasn't built to do 60 FPS and made that run 60 FPS fighting games. Uh, fun fact, that 60 FPS version of the Unreal Engine 3 is still what they use today. Crazy what you can still make the Unreal Engine 3 from 2005 look like today. Uh, but I digress. But that, that's what shows you what a really hardcore hands-on teardown of an engine can do when you have a, a singular focus. So, yeah, after uh, you know they, they built Splinter Cell, uh, Ubisoft Montreal became basically the premier studio for the entire Ubisoft company umbrella. So every series that has come out since then has been shepherded pretty much uh, <laughs> by Ubisoft. But it's all been brought to market. You know, they're, at least their first iterations or their revamped iterations have been brought by the Montreal studio. So I'll just, I'll run through a quick list here and then we can actually talk about Splinter Cell itself. But just so anybody has any questions, Rainbow Six Three, Raven Shield, uh, Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, Prince of Persia, Warrior Within, uh, Rainbow Six Three, uh, Black Arrow, Far Cry Instincts, uh, Far Cry 2, Far Cry 3, Splinter Cell Conviction, Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed 1, uh, you know, uh, Assassin's Creed Revelations, uh, Far Cry 4, Watch Dogs, Watch Dogs 2, uh, you know, just Far Cry New Dawn. I mean, it just, you name it, like everything that they've done of note other than the Ghost Recon stuff and Rainbow Six Siege of the last 15 mm. years, it's these guys. 
Um, yeah. And um, obviously all the Splinter Cell games. Oh, and one other thing that uh, people scream you know, about every time you mention it on the internet, they made the Scott Pilgrim game. Which I just oh, nice. I have not played. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, I didn't like that movie. I like that game. <laughs> yeah, I thought the movie uh, was kind of weird. I'd like it was to own a little. It, it was a little up its own ass. I'd like to I own mean, up to. I like to own up to that that failed joke I made a little bit a minute ago when I said it was much shepherded. My brain was on Mass Effect for some reason. Yeah, and that is not Ubisoft. <laughs> that is not <laughs> absolutely not. No, it's, it's Sam Fisher, not shit, not Sam Shepard. So it's yeah. Else. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> my this bad. Is, this I'm is the hype studio. Uh, so, I mean, other than the division and Ghost Recon's, you know, new iterations with Wildlands uh, and Breakpoint and Rainbow Six Siege, you know, f- you name it from Ubisoft in in the last 15 years, these are the guys. So when they were when they chose to bring Splinter Cell originally to just Windows PCs and Xbox, it was huge for the Xbox platform, uh, you know, because the year previous. Nothing looked better than Mortal uh, Metal Gear Solid Two. Mm-hmm. Not Halo, not anything else. Uh, not Final Fantasy X. The best looking game in the world was MGS Two. There was a lot of stuff that was doing a lot of really cool stuff, but that was the king of the crop. So, and that game sold like mm-hmm. twenty million units or whatever. So, mm-hmm. uh, getting Ubisoft to sign an exclusivity agreement, which they borderline had to do, because mm-hmm. you know this is a fairly un tested studio that's working on an untested engine so there's a good possibility that it was only going to come out on one or two platforms anyway so for microsoft to scoot some money their way and say how about for a year you can't get this on the playstation or the gamecube uh it Mm. worked out for everybody microsoft had a period of time where they were pretty good about sliding money to people at the right times and this is an example of without splinter cell I, I I think you don't have an Xbox platform today. Uh, this was just one of those watershed moments for the platform. And, uh, you know, the first Splinter Cell, uh, I can look up some sales figures. I bet that's one of the best selling original Xbox games, if I had to guess. Uh, let's see if I got anything here for it. Uh, I don't see anything on the fandom page about it. Uh, all I have is... <clears throat> Uh, yeah, just uh, tell me a little bit about the game. I'll look it up. Don't worry. Yeah, it started. It, it the, the Splinter Cell started out. It was they wanted they wanted to make they wanted to make something that was like revolutionary stealth. Like that they wanted to use elements from Metal Gear Solid and Thief, the yeah. Thief franchise, which is kind of what they, which is kind of what it ended up being rather well. They wanted they wanted and they wanted Tom Clancy, of course, involved in this. Um, he, he, and he, he, he endorsed it. He also did, uh, he was also a, a supporting scenario writer for the game as well. Fun fact. Um, but, uh, one thing that he was not initially approving of, which, which turned out to be, you know, one of the iconic symbols of the whole series, which is Sam Fisher's trifocal, goggles he didn't really approve of that because that it's not really a realistic piece of equipment because of the technology you need to make a trifocal uh, piece of equipment just doesn't work that way but they but the the studio tried to make a case to him to say look if, if we may have him carry like three different sets of, of goggles whatever one for like thermal one for night vision and one for emp or, or electromagnetic wave or whatever that came out i think didn't appear until 
chaos theory. It's not very oh, the sonar goggles. Not very yeah, sonar goggles. Thank you. It was not very conducive to actual gameplay. So and uh, you say it's like uh, okay. So he just so he ultimately came around and signed off on that on that idea, even though he didn't really like that at first. I found a number. What was the number? 3.02 million. It's the third best-selling original Xbox game behind Halo go. Combat Evolved and number one being Halo 2 at 8 million. There you go. There you go. And for good reason. So, And, that, and that's my one of my other favorite franchises ever is Halo. So it ranks right up there. Uh, and then, of course, you know, uh, my, one of the other um, uh, big uh, big points that, uh, that they... Uh, I'm trying to find my words here. Uh, that they uh, managed to nab for this uh production was uh, michael ironside as the voice yeah. of sam, sam fisher and he was he voiced sam all the way through until blacklist and instead was voiced by hold on i got the name right yeah. some dude uh, i can't michael remember. he was no it was not michael ironside it was what's the his most name? forgettable of men Oh, it's going to drive me nuts here. I'm trying to find his name, but uh, you know why he's forgettable is because he followed Michael Ironside. That's, that's true. Like, yeah, he was also in a in a uh, in a in a TV show as well. I think it was uh, that was rookie, super was, popular. Wasn't, wasn't Rookie Blue? Was it? Was uh, hell, I don't know. Couldn't that, tell you. That was very popular in those days. Of like, oh, we've got this this B tier actor who's really good at delivering, like you know, scene chewing character performances let's replace him with this pretty person that was okay in a thing. And the problem is like, so good B actors that chew scenery are great for voice acting because it gives ton of uh, data for mm -hmm. uh, your guys that are actually doing mocap to kind of fill in with. And mm -hmm. it, it paints a much more, you know, active scene. The problem with a lot of these like soap opera style actors is that, man, you just get this like, Hey, what's going on? I've gotten by on my looks for a long time. So <laughs> you guys want to go kill some terrorists? <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, the, the other thing that added to it was Rookie Blue, by the way, that was the show he was on. His name was Eric Johnson, not the guitarist. There you uh, go. <clears throat> yeah, his name was Eric Johnson. And uh, he was also the capture motion capture uh, actor for that for Sam in that game as well. Oh, that's so cool. um, yeah. And uh, it's 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 weird because by the time that game takes place uh, in in the universe, uh, it looks like Sam has suddenly gotten ten fifteen years younger for some reason. Mm. <laughs> um, the, it's just it's it's just weird. But uh, the, it was a good uh, game still. The positioning of Splinter Cell, I think, couldn't have been any better because it crossed off a lot of the pieces that they needed to do. And Ubisoft did kind of the smartest thing that they could have done um, is that they basically attacked the Xbox platform from a lot of different directions. So in 2002, uh, you know, they had something that looked better uh, from a pure technical perspective than something like MGS2. Um, but they had launching uh, just like two weeks later alongside xbox live ghost recon um and then in march of the following year they had rainbow six three launch and then a month later is when ghost recon island thunder launched the expansion mm -hmm. of ghost recon uh so they had all of these online enabled games you know and rainbow six three had a, a pretty decent single player but was still kind of primarily focused on a multiplayer experience and splinter cell being the centerpiece of Tom Clancy as a universe, 
this is right around the same time where uh, the Clancy estate was getting ready to sign over uh, the Clancy name to Ubisoft in perpetuity. So you'll notice one thing, and this is prevalent in every Tom Clancy game that you boot up. It'll never say Tom Clancy in it. It always says Tom Clancy's. They own the right to the possessive Tom Clancy apostrophe S. Hmm. So uh, I did not know. Yes. So uh, Red Storm, Iron Storm, uh, and the Tom Clancy's uh, name, that whole umbrella, uh, they purchased right around 2004. Um, so Hawks, uh, you know, uh, what was, there was that one where you talked oh, to Hawks. it. The, yeah. Tom uh, Hawks, yeah. The division, you know, all these Tom Clancy's games, nothing, yep. no franchise mm-hmm. after Splinter Cell was signed off by the estate again. Interesting. Yeah. They don't have to be. Um, and you know, Mr. Clancy is, is since deceased. Right. Unfortunately. Um, right. But yeah, so like this mm-hmm. The Tom Clancy averse, you know, really gets started. You know, it it started. We did a red uh, Rainbow Six episode. Well, I, actually, it was kind of the 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 formation of Ubisoft episode before. Um, yeah. But the formation of uh, Splinter Cell isn't just a boss ball and killer fucking game. They attacked that entire Xbox platform from every direction. Do you like single player games? We got one. Do you like small? Uh, cover-based shooters, we got one. Do you right. like big, wide-open shooters? We got one. You know, like, it, it was... They were all over you um, <laughs> in a lot of different ways. So I was a beta tester for Xbox Live back in the summer of 2002, and I had been playing Ghost Recon for months. So by the time uh, Splinter Cell came out and Ghost Recon came out, I was bloodthirsty to get the full experience because, mm. you know, we had been playing on two maps for <laughs> Ghost Recon for months. <laughs> so we were ready. Need <laughs> uh, some more content. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm ready, motherfuckers. Uh, racing those same three tracks in MotoGP, oh, uh, that that NFL Fever demo, uh, Revolt, which actually never came out, uh, which was the, a, 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 a port of that uh, Dreamcast, like kind of Micro Machine style racing game. That never okay. came out. Um, but yeah, Can't so uh, being a beta tester in there, I was, I was, I was red hot and nasty, uh, ready to get my hands on that. So yeah, the... Uh, <sighs> So let, let's talk. Let's talk about third echelon. Yes, the uh, the uh, covert uh, block operative division of the National Security Agency. Uh, it was as uh, the plot excuse is it exists to collect intelligence and conduct off field operations where conventional means are not feasible, and it consists of a lone field operative with the support team. Uh, operating remotely, either by a van or an aircraft or someplace that's not on site. Right. Uh, and uh, it's, it's very much just like, kind of like Metal Gear is. Like, you know, that's kind of what, what, what Snake was. Lone operative in the field with a remote team somewhere else operating not on site. No so, Fox die, though, sadly. No Fox die, yeah. Or, 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 the, or nanner machines, son. Yeah. No. This is also how the Epic Game Store gets your information. So, little alone. Right, oh, yeah. shit, they got me. <laughs> yeah, they got you good, man. Yeah. Damn it. I, I bought um, like 20 games from them. I am I'm 20 <laughs> times fucked. <laughs> and you don't even get a shopping cart. You got 20 um, operatives outside your house right now. Anyway. <laughs> what, but, what are uh, they going to do? Oh, shit. Hang on, guys. I'll be back. <laughs> 
So I think uh, the story goes that uh, Sam was um, either a CIA, I think he was CIA or NSA or something. He comes, he asked him to come back out of retirement or whatever to uh, be one of this uh, first um, first actual splinter cell operative. And they call they call each uh, each of these teams a splinter cell because they act independently. They're a block operation, so they're completely denied existence by the U.S. government. Something happens, you don't exist. It didn't happen. And if so you kill too many screwed. people in a mission, we're pulling you out, Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That first game was yeah. so bad for that. Oh man, I know. Um, but uh, yeah, the first game uh, came out in '02, and it was set in '04, and it took place uh, in the uh, country of Georgia. Uh, and uh, it was basically the plot summary is essentially uh, the leader of Georgia at the time, Cobain Nicolades, is a millionaire who's uh, is bill or billionaire rather who's control of the country and hates the USA up and down. And uh, there's this plot to you know detonate a bomb somewhere or de- detonate a, a, a dirty bomb rather, and uh, only he has access to it. And yeah, you can oh, see man. where it goes from there. So it's Remember this whole chain of, chain of operations. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, we're getting into getting into uh, some of all fears territory with that, yeah. uh, which is Tom Clancy, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so and it revolves around you know actually going in and out of the shadows to stay hidden. You know, there's a it had, uh, was the first uh, game that I that I know of at least that incorporated a shadow meter that shows you how far in or out of the light you were. We didn't get the actual. Just the, the simplified green or yellow or red light oh, on his back right. until, that's not until chaos, chaos theory, theory right? chaos theory, yeah. yeah, yeah. We got the little, uh, we got the uh, sliding uh, meter that shows you how concealed you are. So if you were all the way over into the black end in the shadows of the meter, you were completely hidden and no one saw you, no matter how close you were. And as you progressively got into the light, would be determined how far away the enemy were to spot you. And I love that stuff. Yeah. I love being able to, I was always trying to challenge myself to go in and uh, into a mission and get out without anyone even knowing I was there. And it was tough. Yeah. As somebody and, who uh, had already played Thief, I felt like this was a much expanded, much improved version of what they had offered in Thief. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Thief offering you like the water arrows to uh, extinguish lights and things like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I was one of those guys that would, you know, I, once I completed the game once, I would go back and play it again to see how stealthy I could be to the point where if I got spotted one time, I'm resetting that mission yeah. <laughs> or resetting to a checkpoint or something. Yeah. And uh, one thing this one thing this game also really, you know, sort of put in is it the acrobatics plus the stealth. Um, I don't know if Thief yeah. was that inherent to that as much as it was but you know you have you have metal gear solid but you can't like flip around in a way that like uh prince of persia could like you said prince of persia was one of the other games that this studio developed am i correct in that or the yes the same people yeah 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 yeah, yeah. studio yeah, yeah. was a, a first person it was more like a uh more medieval uh deus ex so it was more right. about creeping around and not about like doing crazy fun shit yeah yeah exactly so yeah, so that was interesting. Um, that 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 was always it. when when I played the original game back in the day. That was the interesting thing about it. It was like, oh, it's kind of like Prince of Persia, but you know, um, you have to hide. <laughs> it was one of those games that like you always had on standby because you know, and I and I, 
I hate to kind of boil it down to this, but like when your yeah. friends who only owned a PlayStation would come over, you'd go like, dude, fucking look at this. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Just, like the cloth physics. I'm like, I remember there was a hospital level uh, in the first Splinter Cell where mm. there were like the curtains and like when you walk under it, it would billow around you and stuff. And I was like, this is fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I didn't play it until it came out of the PlayStation 2 the following year. Uh, and uh, I was like, oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta get an extra level. And then, but when when I actually when 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 YouTube became a thing two years after this, so well, actually it was the following year because YouTube hit no four. Uh, like a couple years following that, um, I actually got to see a kind of a side by side of what the PlayStation version looked with the Xbox version. I'm like, wow. I was like, and I, had, I think I had just gotten the Halo Edition Xbox at the time. It's like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm I gonna switch back. Yes, and uh, uh, I switched to Xbox for the rest of the series uh, because it, you know, it, it looked better. And uh, the, I think the 360 was coming out in a couple of years after that, and I just became kind of like an Xbox guy from then on. Yeah. Um, the uh, so it's the first Splinter Cell is great, and it introduced a lot of interesting things. But I, I'm gonna say every complaint that people levy against the first splinter cell i think is pretty much warranted mm -hmm. um that game is um it's basically like somebody is putting on a play and you're participating mm -hmm. because that game is much more rigidly about uh enemy pathing uh you can only you know incapacitate so many people per level and it has one of the worst final stages I've ever played. <laughs> uh, the assassination at the end of that game. Yeah. You don't even have to shoot in the window. We shot the side of the building and it still killed the guy. Wow. <laughs> like, it's, it's unfailable. Yeah. I don't I know if that was I didn't know you could do that. in the Xbox version of that game, but you don't have to actually shoot the guy at the end of that game. Like, the, that. the last mission is just a waste of time. Um, yeah. But they improved upon a lot of that technology with the follow-up. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah. Pandora Tomorrow is kind of one of the black sheep of this franchise's family. I'd say if there are, if there's two black sheep. I'll, I'll, I'll drink to that, sure. It, it's probably <clears throat> Pandora Tomorrow and Double Agent. Mm -hmm. Double um, Agent for sure, but yeah. Uh, but like Pandora Tomorrow is also one of the most groundbreaking uh, installments in that franchise because that is what introduced one of the most popular modes uh, for that generation of consoles online. Um, that is the game that introduced Spies versus Mercenaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, which I never uh, really played any of. That's going to be that's going to be your topic. I'll let you take that one. Yeah the uh, the gameplay in that was very interesting. So. Uh, Chaos Theory would go on and create the co-op piece, which was its big thing. Like, uh, but the, so I believe it was two on two or two on three uh, spies uh, versus mercenaries. So you had guys that had, you know, that were just like regular mercs that had big guns. Uh, they weren't quiet. They couldn't climb in vents. They, they couldn't, 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 couldn't. Uh, but if they saw Sam and they fucking got the drop on him, they would just annihilate him like nothing. Uh, so you had these spies that had really interesting 
tools at their disposal to blind people, put down smoke patterns. You know, they could knock out lights and see in the dark. Um, the, the Mercs could do that as well, but they also did that with decreased mobility, decreased speed, uh, and they didn't have weapons that were accurate at long distances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that game was all about the mercenaries traveling as a pack. Um, and I just, I, I remember having a really good time with that. And it was something that like, they kind of threw it in there just as like an experiment. Um, and I think it really started to like, kind of coalesce that series and where it would go from there. Um, the, the plot of that game, I still consider to be fairly forgettable, but the one thing that I remember from the single player that really sticks with me even now today is how much of that game takes place in the daytime or at dusk or at morning break. Hmm. Uh, That's right. I forgot there were daytime admissions in Pandora tomorrow. Yeah. And there, it made a lot of, like, it made shadows because that was around the time that uh, Michael Mann and uh, uh, shit, uh, uh, the guy who went on to make uh, a man apart, uh, Tony Scott. Um, uh, Tony Scott was making all those movies in like South America and stuff like that. That were that super overexposed kind of orangey light. Um, Pandora Tomorrow, it's daytime missions have that. So like you know you're mm-hmm. in this really hot sweltering area mm-hmm. where you can still use shadows because the sun is so crazy bright that it overexposes a lot of your surroundings. So you can still hide in the shadows, even in the daytime, uh, which I thought was super cool. Um, And it also gave that game such a different look than the first game. And I feel like a lot of those ideas are really capitalized on in the next installment, which is chaos theory. Uh, Gus, you want to talk a little bit about chaos theory? Great. Uh, I do want to actually, before we do chaos theory, I want to, I want to mention something about Pandora tomorrow. It is, if you were to go on Uplay or on any, pick your, your favorite, you know, PC, PC storefront, uh, you will find, you can find any of this play of the Splinter Cell games available for purchase, except Pandora tomorrow. And the reason for that. Uh, well, there's there's a, there's a couple of reasons for it, but the the outstanding one is that Pandora Tomorrow was coded, designed to run on a specific type of hardware. It ran a it used a technology called shadow buffering, and that's uh, that's something that only the GeForce two, three, or rather three, four, and FX series could do. Uh, really at all there there was a there was a uh a uh a, a, a driver version that was able to kind of do it in the 6600 gt or the 6000 series uh after which was after the fx but after a certain update like there's like no there's like no gpu after those those three families could do it anymore and then and then it could do it on i think the ps2 and then the xbox 360 or was it was it no it was original xbox i think it wasn't original on. Original, yes, thanks. Um, but uh, and there's a there's a side by side. There's a YouTube video where you can look at the side by side. There was a PC port, I think. Uh, but if you run the PC version today, 
yeah, you would kind of, you might need to get a crack to run the thing, but it, your hardware won't, won't render any of the shadows or lights correctly at all. There'll be places where some lights, some like light spots from like overhead hanging lamps are completely missing, either dumbed down or they just, whenever the light source moves, the, the light spot won't move. And it makes it very difficult to tell if you're in the dark without looking directly at the meter, whether you're in the dark or you're out of the dark or to plan your route or whatever, because it's just nothing renders properly now yeah, they used a home brewed uh solution for stencil shadows uh that is a technology that was uh employed to make uh doom three shadows uh. um but they made their own version of it um and they went on to employ with the unreal engine 2 version whatever uh that chaos theory runs on they had uh, Unreal had made their own technology gotcha. uh, to do stencil shadows. Uh, so they went with that more approved solution. Uh, a little while back when we talked about uh, Quake 2 and Quake 3, I mentioned that those games in a lot of ways don't actually look as good now as they would on like a Voodoo 2 or a Voodoo 3 card back in 1999 yeah. uh, because that used glide technology that was only supported by that. And there's no modern GPUs that support that kind of look. So uh, that that's kind of uh, uh, the situation. So unless they chose to go back and make an HD remaster, you're never getting it. Which they, they did do an HD collection or HD. It was a trilogy. It was right. was, I think it was after, uh, uh, it was before double agent came out. They, yeah, it was a 2010 for the PlayStation three. Yeah. It was a PS three release. I think it also came out and th- it was available on 360 as well, but, um, which had the first three games on it, but it's important to note that never mind the fact that, 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 that the game is neither playable on either the Xbox one or the PS4. Now today, uh, it's also the, uh, the the Pandora Tomorrow on that collection is the PC port. It is the PC version of that game, and it suffers from the same uh, lighting problems as if you were to run it on a regular computer today. So it's, Ubisoft it's, was yeah. doing some real uh, rough uh, remasters in those days. Like I remember that uh, Prince of Persia collection being kind of ass as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, now you can. There, there is a mod fix uh, available to get this, the shadows running pro- uh, well, mostly properly. It's kind of a jank fix, but they do, it does exist. You can do a search for it and, and how to get the, the, the shadow fix for Pandora tomorrow. But, uh, but otherwise, uh, unless, unless they actually decide to properly remaster that game and make it work properly, which they would have to kind of, <laughs> I think they'd have to recode it to do it. Uh, you're not going to see it again, which is unfortunate because I'd love to to stream the entire Splinter Cell uh, series front to back, and I don't want to leave out Pandora tomorrow because it's part of the part of the lore continuum. I don't want to skip a skip an installment. Do you not have a capture card? I do. Uh, it's stream, a it's stream the OG what, Xbox version. Yeah, but the, the the problem I have with the capture card is it's that, that old external Elgato Game Capture HT, which which has like a, a second and a half delay on it because it's USB two. Uh, I want to get an updated capture device to use because since as long as I'm still running an ITX uh, computer, uh, I don't have a room to put in an internal capture card. And I have to. Unfortunately, I bought a Razer Ripsaw, and it's uh, the the reason I got that is that it's 4K HDR pass through, uh, and 
the so I was able to play uh, my Neo Geo Mini and my Sega Genesis Mini, which are super frame dependent games, mm-hmm. directly on my monitor through the pass through, and uh-huh. everything was totally playable. So a Razer Ripsaw might be something you want to look into because it's the same price as like an HD sixty, so it's like a hundred and fifty right bucks. Yeah, I, I also since since I use a mixer and I mixer as well. I mean, I want to be able to you know to hear the game and stuff, so I need to send the audio through the mixer and then just send the the video through the capture. And if I do that with this Elgato, the the the, the you're going to have a second and a half desync between the game audio and the game video, which I'm I, just, I don't know how to. I don't have a solution for that right now. But anyway, moving on to Chaos Theory, which is the, the third best installment. installment? Uh, in my opinion, it is. Um, that one was in... It's the one with Jeff Goldblum, right? No. Stretch of a... of a, of a, a great big pile of shit. There. It's a great oh, big man. No. March 21st, 2005. Okay, so uh, the just original a little bit of history here. Sure. Uh, Game Developers Conference 2004 uh, is, and this was like two weeks after Pandora to, Pandora Tomorrow came out. Pandora, Pandora it, Tomorrow? Pandora Tomorrow uh, is when uh, it wasn't Ubisoft, but it was Epic that unveiled uh, the first gameplay of Chaos Theory. And it's the really? opening level where it's raining on the cliffs and everything because it was all the new Unreal Engine 2 shit. That was the first level, I believe. It was. Mm-hmm. But it's also probably, for that generation, the most graphically intensive and impressive <laughs> level of that generation. Um, yeah. So it was incredibly dark, tons of uh, thunder, lightning, uh, water effects, the sky. yeah. Uh, the intense water effects, the uh, the Thro- wind whipping through all of the enclosures. Mm-hmm. Uh, even in some parts, the tarps around certain enclosures blowing off and making you uh, visible um, in yep. real time in gameplay. Yeah, it was all scripted, but it felt super alive. Yeah. Uh, man, when you compare, like, I think Pandora Tomorrow was was a real looker, a big improvement over the first game, mm-hmm. and then when Chaos Theory came out, you're like. Fuck, dude. <laughs> so, uh, fun, fun fact: all all the platforms this came out for it came out was for Xbox, Windows, PC, uh, PlayStation Two, GameCube. It came came out as a port for the DS for it as well. Um, 3DS. Oh yeah, it, the regular it, DS as well. Yep, wow. yep, regular DS, 3DS, PlayStation Three for the H with the HD collection. It was also on the N gauge. I didn't remember oh, that. Yeah. Thing. Uh, yeah, that thing. Yeah. Engage version is also the GBA version, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah, which was uh, th- this. This was back when uh, you know ports to a handheld system were like complete different game from their console brethren. It just has the same title on it, maybe the same plot, but the game itself is completely different. Uh, and in some to- situations, that works out really great. Uh, as we mentioned last week on the mm-hmm. podcast, uh, Vicarious Visions, uh, Game Boy Advance versions of Tony Hawk. Mm-hmm. In other situations, this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I remember playing, I think it was Chaos Theory for, it was either the GBA or the DS. I wasn't reviewing it, but I'd gotten a copy of it and went, oh my God. <laughs> No, thank oh, you. <laughs> uh, and uh, the the uh, we didn't really touch on the plot of Pandora tomorrow, but it has to do with um, 
um, uh, an Indonesian and uh, anti-separatist insurgency group. And uh, we get back into the whole idea of, of, of bombs. And then there's a, and there's has something to do with the, with a smallpox, uh, the smallpox virus being threatened to release and stuff like that. So that's what that, that gets into. Um, so chaos theory has to do uh, that. Hold on. This one, chaos theory takes place in 07. And yeah, where's my note at for, did I just skip over it? Where's my Pandora tomorrow note? Uh, it is, no, that's the other one. Oh, anyways, whatever. Um, I'm sorry, this is driving me nuts. Oh, 06 is the timeline for Pandora tomorrow. So the following year in universe for chaos theory is takes place that, um, uh, well, a number of places, but it has to do with China, North Korea, not being happy with uh, Japan's new information self-defense force, something about violating uh, an article of a post-World War II agreement. And then uh, there's a, it's all about information warfare rather than than bombs and viruses being released and stuff like that. So, and then uh, one of the one of the antagonists is um, is a, uh, a Japanese commander who's who would rather see imperial rule come back, and it goes into you know his motives and things like that. So, hmm. um, uh, that I, I think there's a different. No, no, no. I'm sorry. And uh, um, NPC interrogation was around before this game. It was just a different animation. So, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, fa fair to note that uh, this was the return of Clint Hawking, uh, the director of the first Splinter Cell. Um, yeah, he designed this one, right? Yeah. Yeah. To uh, to this franchise now, Clint Hawking. Uh, might not it might not be a game a game designer name that jumps out at you, uh, but this man's a fucking genius, um, <laughs> and he's also as somebody I met him incredibly Canadian, <laughs> eh? Right? Oh man, he's a hockey hoser, eh? Uh, uh, oh, uh, one other fun note. Uh, speaking of hockey hosers, uh, and it, it's it might explain how uh, certain people were cast in this video game. Mm -hmm. uh, I know a man who had to do an interview for, I believe, uh, believe it was double agent uh, with Michael Ironside. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a, something that was going to be transcribed to text. It was not going to be like a, like a podcast. Cause this was uh -huh. before those days. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so apparently Michael Ironside was in a bar watching hockey uh, as this was going on, because uh, Michael Ironside is also incredibly Canadian. Uh, that includes <laughs> Michael Ironside Corner. Uh, let's go back to it. Back to you, Gus. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't have have uh, m m much else to add. It's that just the, the 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 plot was a lot was a lot different. Oh, this was when we uh, incorporated the uh, this more simplified uh, shadow gauge instead of having the the the, the moving slider gauge showing you how far in or out of the darkness you were well i think now i think it still had that um i'm looking at screenshots no, is, from this it this is where the light comes uh, uh it was, the meter was also there though. okay yeah i got you uh but this is also the first time that uh your visual indication on screen mm -hmm. was tied to the enemy ai it was not a pass fail so oh. the, in the previous games if you were above 25% visible, mm -hmm. um, it would trigger a hmm from the oh, AI yeah. of, oh, I, I think he, something might be over there. Let's go look at that. 
uh, you know, <laughs> that kind of dialogue. And then they would start walking your direction, basically like a throwing a rock in Assassin's Creed or knocking on a wall in Metal Gear, that kind of thing. Um, and if you were over 33%, it was a dice roll uh, by the, the engine. Right. Of if they were going to instantly see you and go on alert. Huh. Um, so this one, that was all done. It was baked at the engine level of, uh, and this is all part of like, I, I watched this thing like a week and a half ago when we were talking about Splinter Cell. I watched the GDC presentation. It's the only reason I know this. Um, <laughs> and, and you shouldn't care, but guess what? I know it, so I'm vomiting it at you. Um, but that's, so instead of it being purely scripted, it was actually uh, done at a dice roll level uh, by the AI. Um, how a lot of that was determined. So uh, your actual environmental visibility, not a, just a sliding meter, is what determined your visibility. Which made which another one of those things where, you know, I mentioned earlier how the game felt so much more alive because you know the tarps blowing off and all that other stuff. Uh, the light visibility stuff is how they kept pushing and pushing and pushing of how this was a a real world, a living, breathing world, which is if you start taking a lot of this into consideration and knowing that four years from now, mm -hmm. actually three, two years from now, uh, from 2005, this is the studio that would bring you Assassin's Creed. You start understanding how procedural uh, uh, AI generation uh, is something that they're going to be focusing on. Uh, mm. So the other thing... Uh, and we can actually kind of end it at, at Chaos Theory, unless there's any other notes that you want. I actually do want to talk a little bit about the turn that this franchise has uh, after Double Agent. Um, yeah. But the, I, for I, Chaos I, Theory, the last thing I'll talk about is this, the fucking co-op in this game, Ubisoft needs to just apply quality resolution settings to the PC version of this game so you can actually play it and have it look right. Yeah. Uh, on modern monitors without you needing to download a bunch of mods and shit that will actually probably trigger... Uh, all kinds of cheat things <laughs> uh, whenever you apply them. Um, because the co-op in this, like the Spies versus Merc stuff is better in this than it was in Pandora Tomorrow, but it's not wholly new. The co-op in this, it's basically, I think it was eight missions of you and a buddy just cooperatively infiltrating facilities and doing things together. It was so much fun. I, I laughed so much playing this with my idiot friends. <laughs> um, and you know, it's, there's a reason that on a, on a console that only sold 25 million units worldwide, this game managed to sell 2.5 million units. Wow. You know, Gee. this chaos theory is a big deal. Yeah. Um, and, and for good reason, not just because it was pretty, but because, if you were into single player, if you were into deathmatch, if you were into seek and destroy, or if you were into fun co-op shit, which was bubbling up at this time, you know, at this, uh, so right around the same exact time is when we got the port of doom three that had online co-op. We had just gotten, uh, no, uh, halo two didn't have on online co-op. So really for online co-op, it right. was doom three and chaos theory were kind of your only options for this other than terrorist hunt, uh, in rainbow six. So it was just, it was fucking cool, yeah. man. Uh, yeah. It was groundbreaking in so many ways that I don't think time has remembered because right after this, when the Xbox 360 launches, online co-op just becomes a thing. 
You know, it just yeah. it just became a thing. I mean, everything down right. to open world games like Saints Row and all sorts of shit. They all had online co-op. You know, it was just right. the du jour. So it just left the memory hole of how good that was because it and just became how, regular. Well, and it wasn't just campaign co-op. It was completely different missions. Right. Yeah. It was, so if you didn't do the co-op, you missed out on like a third of what that game had to offer. You know, it was mm-hmm. truly beneficial original holy creative content yeah. uh that you just wouldn't have gotten and i just i, I remember that uh, sorry to go off on a tangent there i just remember no, that fine. being just so <clears throat> fucking cool um, yeah yeah i i know where i know where after this yeah i i know where i know where uh we're uh we're kind of going going uh almost in overtime with uh, with this but uh, i i want to i want to touch on uh double agent really quick because it's <laughs> Double Agent is is was kind of unique in the series. We talked about it being one of the one of the black sheep in the family. Uh, it had never mind it being like my least favorite in the in the series. It's got two versions because it came out during the transition between between uh, one generation of of consoles to the other, from the Xbox to the Xbox 360, and um, there was a version for the next gen consoles at the time which was for um hold on a second it was for 360 yes the 360 pc and playstation 3 uh and, playstation 3 much later but yes uh, right okay uh and then the uh the and then there was one for xbox playstation 2 gamecube and then we later on um uh there was and they were uh one the the the, the previous gen uh edition was more uh, played and looked more like the previous games. You know, that you were. It looked more familiar, played more familiar, um, and then the next gen version had a completely different look. Had a different uh, heads up display. Had a different display. Uh, the visuals were considerably different, being it was on a newer console. And um, there was even some different, some there were even some variations in the plot in the the, the plot itself. Now the, the main plot was still the same, but there were still there were some story differences. Yeah, there were some story differences between the two. And uh, I think I don't I don't know if uh, I don't I don't want to I don't want to ruin anything for anyone that wants to play play the game. But there's there, there's a there's some major decisions that you uh, that you have to make towards the uh, the end of the game that may affect the um canon continuity there's actually a canon ending to it i'm not going to say what it is is it about who killed my daughter yeah <laughs> no it wasn't it was uh yeah that was uh that that that, that kind of carries over into the into the uh conviction which is ends up which is more of like a revenge tour than there's anything else for sam fisher but uh he needs to um, know who killed his daughter yeah um and uh, but uh, double agent was about uh, uh, Sam is actually sent in as a well a, a double agent is like an undercover for a terrorist organization and then you have uh, it, it constantly makes a loyalty check throughout most of the game whether you're more loyal to the NSA or more loyal to John Brown's army and it, and it, and that affects what what your other whether your objective is or how much one team trusts you over the other. And how easy. Am I mistaken? Does the JBA know? And I'm speaking specifically about the 360 mm-hmm. PC version of this. Mm-hmm. Doesn't the JBA know you you were third echelon? I don't. They think I you've don't, gone. I don't remember. I, I, I don't recall. Believe you've gone turnsies. 
Yeah, I think that's what you made, made them to believe because you're sent to prison. Which is why to they're doing these guys out. The yeah. whole time. Yeah, because you're because you're sent in as a prison inmate at the beginning of the, of the game to break out one of these guys and then join their cause, uh, or so you're, so that's that, that's that's your that's your your act. Um, but um, uh, yeah, so that's 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 double agents. Uh, conviction uh, plays off of uh, a continuity uh, point from what kind of spurred the beginning of double agent. And it turns into it's it's like I said, it's kind of like a revenge tour. The gameplay changes quite a bit too. It's a lot more action based. There's still a lot of stealth to it, but the cover system and the way you the, the, the mark and execute feature was added in Conviction. It was also continued in Blacklist. Um, okay, uh, one thing I do want to say about Conviction is that yes. the game we got is not the game that they had originally started making. Mm. This game went through development hell. If you remember, mm-hmm. they unveiled this at, I believe it was XO6, the Microsoft uh, event that was in Amsterdam. God, I'm really digging back <laughs> in my brain here. Oh boy. Um, but it, I, I bet if you go and check, it's probably right. When um, does Mario come out? <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. The like, conversation uh, before we spent a recording. Well, yeah. uh, Splinter Cell Conviction had unveiled itself as it's basically the last scene from the first John Wick is the way that their trailer was, believe it or not. It was, oh, yeah. you know, it was, it was him standing in a park reading a newspaper that, that he was, that, that people knew who he was now. Like the public mm-hmm. knew who Sam Fisher was and he was wanted for murder. Oh. And that was going to be the idea for Conviction. And, uh, well, apparently that game kind of ended up in hell. And then it was in 2009 at E3, Ubisoft re-debuted this game. A, as a completely different looking thing. That's where all the, like, your mission objectives were no longer text on your screen. Mm -hmm. It was like spotlight, like Batman spotlights on the wall. Mm. So as you were walking through the environment, it was like, go find this guy and murder him. Yeah, it was uh, like yeah, it was kind of like uh, it reminded me of a, of a of a TV show that did that. I forget what it was. Uh, I forget. I'll have to look it up. But, it, um, but at the time, it was incredible. Mm, like mm. it was so impressive. It the game also had all of the interrogation sequences that they showed off. Kind of, uh, they kind of ruined a lot of them because they showed them in so many press junkets for that thing. Mm-hmm. Of like uh, kind of twenty four style interrogations. They yeah. really Jack Bowered the fuck yeah they did. yes they did and i was a big fan of 24 maybe that's why i liked it so much hey i you can't see it but i'm doing the rvd fingers right at my face right now uh, i love 24 so it just all these scenes of him like so showing like the kind of information he'd want out of there like you know say this guy he's beaten up him torturing somebody or smuggling drugs or whatever as you're just thrashing this guy around a fucking bathroom yeah. Um, so it, it added this layer of, oh, I remember that. I remember that, that, that trailer now it was E309. Yeah. Believe. And that ended up in yeah. the actual game. Yeah. Like it was. So, and what they showed. In, uh, so I remember I, I was there, um, mm-hmm. when they showed that off, I thought, well, that's a really cool trailer. That's not what that game's going to be like. Yeah. That was what that game was like. It was <laughs> yeah. Like, 
My bullshit is is really high for stuff like that because I'm like, you know, because I always go back to like the Dead Island trailer Uh where everybody's like, wow, that's so emotionally effective. I'm like, wow, that's not what that game's going to look like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so I can can step off of it there. But so Splinter Cell Conviction, the one thing that really sticks out about that game, I thought the multiplayer stuff was great. I thought the campaign was great. I thought the new sonar goggle stuff was really cool. It was uh, and the idea that like you were up against a foe that was so much more lethal than they were in previous games because you were a counter operative going against counter counter operatives um, <laughs> that had in a lot of situations even cooler toys than you did. Um, and I just remember that just it looking it having a style that at a time it was so hard to differentiate yourself in that mm-hmm. Xbox 360 generation. Um, from a purely like stylistic standpoint, mm-hmm. that I think Splinter Cell Conviction is one of the few games of that mm-hmm. mid-generation period there that did it successfully. Right. Um, yeah. Um, then uh, uh, a lot of folks didn't like Conviction because it was a big departure from what it had been. It was like really stealthy and it's pretty linear too. Yeah, it was linear as well. Um, and then it, uh, it turned into much more of, like you said, it was, it was more, you, they, they, they really Jack Bowered Sam Fisher out. It became really action oriented. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, chase, like, like running away, chasing and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, blacklist kinda goes back a little bit to what the, uh, what, uh, um, Splinter Cell was before. There's still some, some action to do with it, but, um, it's but third echelon was which was it's just actually i think it was disbanded i think in conviction it's now back for the now it's now back in blacklist uh renamed aptlius fourth Hang echelon on, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh man you didn't even tell me to sit down first i just fell over <laughs> a really original name but um oh, man. Oh, man dude i just i just wet myself is that okay <laughs> uh, do, um, do you need a minute but uh, well, uh so it, it couple of things uh, about blacklist yeah that game was also in development hell that game mm-hmm. was supposed to be out by 2012 yeah. it's not out until uh, the fall of 2013 well late summer yeah. of 2013 yep um and that game was actually saved by i'll give you uh so a lead designer i'll give you two guesses uh actually don't even have his name here i do not know it's not Clint Hawking. No I, no, I didn't think it would be. It's Jade Raymond. Jade Raymond. So, of I'm, course. I'm, I'm bad with industry Wait. names. Well, no, she was the Assassin's Creed person. Oh. Mm. So, after the like massive, massive success of Assassin's Creed, she left soon after. Uh, she was working on, I believe it was I Am Alive that ended up being released as like a downloadable. That was supposed to be like a $60 release game that also fell into development hell uh, mm-hmm. as a lot of things did in that HD gener- uh, generation. I could talk for mm-hmm. hours about games that either didn't come out or came out as a way different thing uh, than what they were supposed to be. Um, but yeah, she actually came back to Ubisoft briefly to bring that game across the finish line. Right. Um and that's mm. one of the reasons that that game is so different is that she saw 
what the team that was making Advance, not Advance Warfighter, Future Soldier, the Ghost Recon game was doing. Yeah. It uh, wanted to, basically her vision was, I want to combine what Conviction did with what Future Soldier is doing and get something out before the end of this generation. Yeah, um, and we and sub- yeah, we subsequently haven't seen a Splinter Cell game uh, since then. Well, uh, there's I, I rumors. Yeah. Uh, so, as of 2010, counting the uh, actually tw- as of 2011, counting the conviction sales numbers, mm-hmm. um, the Splinter Cell series had sold 31 million copies. Hmm. Um, and then uh, Blacklist failed to crack a million. So I guess the thing that we can end on Mm. here is that like, there were a lot of things working up against blacklist, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It was not Michael Ironside, Uh, you know, new character. They should have just gone with a new character. Bring Ironside on for 45 minutes and kill him. (laughs) Make a new character. (laughs) Oh no. No, I'm just Uh. saying like, it just, Mm. the idea of putting somebody else as that voice it's like when you recast somebody, you know, it's like, well, hey, like, you know, everybody's kid brother now played by yeah. Jojo Siwa. Like, I, wait, hang on. I, I, I figured they would go, I figured they would go like the, the Batman Beyond route and put him like in a support role. Oh, yeah, lead. that'd be cool. Like, get, give, so make him, though. make him the guy in the van. He'd be great. Yeah, but he's so drunk, though. <laughs> He can be professional for a couple uh, of reasons. I don't think uh, he can anymore. Okay, then make the character drunk. How about that? Uh, that works. He's uh, washed he, up. <laughs> I should be out there doing this, not you, you piss ant. Like that'd be great. Who? Yeah. Who? 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 Who killed my daughter? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, dude, we found this out three games ago. Who? Who? Hang on. Wait. Yeah. Who killed my daughter? No. Uh. So. Uh. The. The only hide nor hair that we've seen of this game since Blacklist, which I don't lay a lot of the failures of the, of that game. It reviewed fine. It didn't sell that great. Um, but it was tail end of a generation. It was like two months before people were getting ready in a still somewhat shaky economy, getting ready to buy new consoles. Yep. Um, you know, yeah, it was they, so the, uh, the Xbox One and the PS4 came out the following holiday season. It was 14, right? Uh, no, 13. Oh, it was it was it the end of thirteen? Yeah, this was like two two months before the new consoles. Wow. Okay, I thought they were yeah. fourteen. No, yeah. Trust me. Oh, trust me. No, no, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know this stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, so you know, like I, mm-hmm. I'm not putting the failings on that. It's just that you know there were a lot of games at the tail end of that generation uh, that didn't sell that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the departure of Jade Raymond uh, might be why. Uh, and the poor sales might be why the uh, the the taste buds for uh, that company had soured uh, mm-hmm. for the Splinter Cell franchise. Um, the only real references that we've gotten to Splinter Cell since then is that in 2017, uh, Yves Guillemois, uh the CEO of Ubisoft, uh, basically just said, oh, I can't really talk too much about that, but let me know. Uh, I'll let, I'll have you know that we view Splinter Cell as the, the cornerstone of our, uh, you know, one of the cornerstones of our brand, mm-hmm. uh, which I, yeah, I, obviously he would say that whether they're making something or not. Uh, right. The other thing is uh, incorporating Sam Fisher with Michael Ironside as the voice 
in Ghost Recon Wildlands less than three years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, right around that same time that Yves Gimois was making those uh, exact comments. Mm-hmm. I'm of the opinion that we're on the cusp of a new Splinter Cell because uh, Rainbow Six has carved out its niche as a esports title. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't need any kind of single player. Ghost Recon is offering a very wide open experience. Watch Dogs is a very different experience. They don't have anything on their docket other than Far Cry, which is really getting a little long in the tooth. Like Far yeah. Cry really needs to reinvent itself. Right. Um, I think a nice new Splinter Cell game that would maybe, maybe, take a little bit of inspiration from the Hitman episodic delivery model. Yeah, we mentioned this last week. I think that would be very interesting. Could be something. And I don't care. I just, I, I want some stealth action. Since MGS5, we haven't really gotten anything. And MGS5 was right. fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, but that was also like six years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've got nothing else. Uh, that's 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 my my take on Splinter Cell. I love that series. Yeah. If you have an opportunity to play any game in the series, you know, jump in. I mean, you can pretty much start anywhere. Yeah. There are some references to the past games in each one of them a little bit. You don't really need to have played them though. You'll um, be fine. Just, yeah, you'll be fine. Just, just pick, whenever pick you wonder, like, oh, I wonder what they're talking about. It's spy shit. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah, but that's gonna do it, guys. You guys talked about Splinter Cell. Uh, and get all that stuff off your chest. It's pretty like usual. I talked about the tech stuff, and we had Gus here to talk about the story stuff. It was great. Nice. It was awesome. It was perfect. Uh, it is funny because uh, your your theory about it being you know uh, about it being announced soon that we were thinking of holding this episode off uh, for a couple of weeks until that announcement happened. You're so confident that it might happen. So I am uh, of we'll the see. opinion, and call me crazy. I mm-hmm. think that. Uh, at the official Xbox unveil that happens in July, mm-hmm. I think they announced the new Splinter Cell as an exclusive. All right. Well, we have that on record, if you are correct. Well, PC be- and Xbox exclusive. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, reason being, I think that that franchise is so singularly associated with that brand. Right. That I yes. think if, if Ubisoft needed a little bit of financial uh, push to actually go through with one of those things and offer like a six month or a year exclusivity window to actually get that thing made. Why the fuck wouldn't you? Right. You know, if if you're Ubisoft and somebody says, Hey, what if we threw you about, I don't know, $40 million. Why (laughs) wouldn't you do that? (laughs) Right. I agree. You know, even though it'll probably cost 400 million to make that game, $40 million goes a long way to, you know, setting up a team and getting some offices. So, yeah. But yeah, I uh, that's that's kind of all I have to say about Splinter Cell. I love that franchise. Yeah, and uh, it the fact that we have gone now almost seven years without an installment is kind of fucked up. Considering sure. in the span of eight years, it was able to sell thirty-one million copies and yeah. then nothing. Yeah, that seems weird. It's a bit bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit bizarre. Uh, yeah, maybe a little reinvention. We'll see it again. Uh, so there we go. Uh, guys, that's it. We're done. Uh, this Excellent. has been the, uh, Gus, thanks for being on. Appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. As always. 
Absolutely. Uh, this has been the Video Destruct podcast. Uh, you can check us out at videostruck.com, destinationcomics.com slash DNN. You can also check us out on Facebook at uh, Video Destruct. And you can also check us out on Twitter at Video Destruct. You can check Gus out on Twitter. At Justin, J-U-S-T-I-N, Airplane. Yep, on there. Or and on you can also check them out on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Shattermage, S-H-A-T-T-E-R-M-A-G-E. There we go. And you can also follow me on Twitter <laughs> at Hoss underscore buddy, H-O-S-S underscore B-U-D-D-Y. I apparently say very inflammatory things on Twitter. Uh, I had to turn off notifications <laughs> for a little while on a post because I said that like I didn't think the Epic Game Store was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was fighting words on the internet. Ah, uh, how dare you? It had 300 <laughs> Type, 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 type. <laughs> it's 300? Oh, that's, wow. That's good. I, I, just, I just said, this, they were giving away GTA 5 for free. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And this person replied to the post and said, they're like, oh, you know, fuck the Epic Games Tour. <laughs> and I just replied back and said, well, I understand while it's not quite as feature-rich, as some other platforms, it does still boot through the Rockstar Games Launcher. So Epic's not actually getting any information about you. And that apparently right. made people upset. Mm. Well, then. That doesn't fit my narrative. Ah, I must. That's not convenient. <laughs> I must type at you angrily. <laughs> they, were, they were very upset. Yeah. Well, there we go. Uh, guys, that's going to do it. We're out of time. Uh, we gotta go. That's it. Epic's gonna get our information. We gotta get off now. Oh, God. Wait, bye. They're already here. They're already here. Oh, God. (laughs)